Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bible to Psalms chapter 8 and meet me at verse 4. Psalm chapter 8, meet me at verse 4. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation, which will go through to verse 8. What are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority. The flocks and the herds and all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and everything that swims in the ocean currents. This past Thursday, we had corporate prayer, and what a wonderful time we had in corporate prayer. I believe it was impactful. I believe it was uh, influential. I believe things were accomplished, and God is moving in the earth. And I began to think a little bit about corporate prayer, and I got home and was meditating a little bit more on corporate prayer and what we prayed about in our services And I begin to think about how often humanity feels powerless, how often humanity feels insecure, Uh, mankind feels unimportant. You may be in here today and you feel inferior, you wish you could do more, you wish that you could accomplish more, you wish you could be a greater advantage and benefit to this earth. And as I was thinking a little bit about that, I was meditating on what the scriptures have to say concerning how we feel. And a lot of times we feel differently than what scripture says. Matter of fact, most of the time our feelings are not in line with the scriptures. And so we we have to change. This is what renewing the mind is all about. You have to change the way you think in order to see yourself the way God sees you, the way God says about you, and then you will begin to see manifestation and demonstration of God's goodness and his greatness in your life. And in this passage of scripture we just read, I hear a lot of people, social media, some of my unsaved friends, some unbelievers, even some so-called Christians, uh, basically saying, uh, well, God is in control. And how many of you have heard that before? God is in control. We've all heard that. God is in control. And uh, you hear that. And if I'm an, uh, I know where people are coming from when they say that. But if I'm an unbeliever and I don't know anything about God and I hear the terminology God's in control, I would simply think that he uh, absolutely has no idea what he's doing. I mean, look at the earth and the world that we live in. I mean, inflation is high. COVID is on the loose. Terrorism is rising. Hurricanes are loose. Flooding all over. Racial division. Mental health is a major issue. Grocery prices are high. (laughs) How many of you know what I'm talking about there? Homicides are up. 
Domestic violence is up. Poverty is running rampant. Abortion is optional. And I want to talk about that little side note there. I'm not so concerned that abortion is legal. I'm concerned that abortion is optional. Abortion should be unthinkable. Think about that. It shouldn't even be an option. We should be thinking life is being birthed here. And there are a lot of things that are legal or illegal. I'm not concerned about legal or illegal. I'm thinking about thinkable and optional. It would be like, bear with me, but it would be like if someone in the, in, in the year 2021 says, you know what, what I really need is I need a slave in my house. That, that would, that's unthinkable. To hear someone say, I just need to get me a slave. We're, we're, we're a slave. I'm going to go get one. Put them in the house. Make them work for free. Don't treat them well. That's unthinkable. Abortion should be unthinkable as well. Just an unthinkable thought. And with that being said, I think adoption should be readily available. What takes three, four years for adoption to take place? That's ridiculous. I got a family uh, that I know. They make great money. Um, they, They are believing God to have kids. They haven't been able to have kids. And they're trying to adopt, and they're in their third year. This is ridiculous. So if we want to make abortion Unthinkable, we have to make adoption readily available. We have to begin to say, hey, what takes on? We can do a background. You don't take that long to do a, a thorough background check and get these babies, get them born, and get them into families that can take care of these, these babies. But we live under this, or we live in this world. We live, uh, what people say, under the control of God. And if he's controlling everything, he, it sure looks like he has things in a mess. I mean, if he's controlling everything, then it sure looks like the earth realm is uh, in bad shape. I mean, if God's in control, are you saying that he's controlling all of this chaos that we are experiencing? Now, when people say God's in control, they also simultaneously say that it is God's will for all these things to happen. And so they'll begin to declare that God's will for all that hurricane that just destroyed that, that was God's will. And, you, you, you know, your dad just got brutally murdered. That was the will of God. And, and they'll come up with all these sayings and all these statements as if everything that happens on the earth is the will of God. And so I've done, you know, some study on the will of God. I actually one day want to write a book on it. And I found out that there are at least three wills of God. There could be more. But I found that there are at least three all working together. The first is the sovereign will of God. The word sovereign means supreme. Ultimate ruler, the master, the sovereign will of God. And I'll tell you this, that the sovereign will of God basically is God is in control of the things that are out of your control. God is in control of the things that are out of your control. For example, 
When I was born, thank God I was born a loving, a loving mom and dad, but I had no control over who my parents was. And they had no control over who I was. And so the sovereign will of God manifested itself. God is in control of the things that are out of my control. You also have the perfect will of God. And the perfect will of God is found in the word of God. It's found in the scriptures. What the word of God says, what the scriptures say, are the perfect will of God. We know the perfect will of God when we read the word of God. We find the perfect will of God in the word of God. And so when people say, well, I don't know what the will of God is, find it in the word of God, which is the will of God, and you'll know what he has set aside for you. And the third will of God that I found, and like I said, I believe there could be more, but the third will of God that I found is what is called the permissible will of God, which is simply the free will. God is going to allow you to do whatever you want to do. God is going to allow you to marry whoever you want to marry. If you don't want to get married, he's going to allow you not to get married. He's going to allow you to do whatever you want to do. If you want to go rob that bank, God is not going to stop you. He's going to allow you to do whatever you want to do. That's free will. And that's why I found the permissible will of God. But if we really want to find out what's happening in this earth and why it's happening the way it is, the answer is not found in God is in control. It's not where the answer is found. The answer is going to be found in these next passages of Scripture. We're going to look at the perfect will of God. Look at Psalms 115, verse 16. Psalms 115, verse 16. It says, the heavens belong to the Lord, but he has given the earth to all humanity or to the children of men. Now watch this. The heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth has been given to humanity or to the children of men. We found in Psalms chapter 8, we read that at the beginning, that the earth was given to humanity. We see it again in Psalms 115, 16. The earth has been given to humanity. If we look at Genesis chapter 1 and look at verse 25 through 28, Genesis chapter 1, 25 through 28, and God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them, somebody shout, let them. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Look at verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So we find out through this powerful, amazing passage of Scripture that God created humanity after himself. Now the cattle, the birds, the air, they were all created after its own kind, but humanity was created in the exact duplication of God. 
Humanity was creating in a resemblance of God, the likeness of God. That's what the image is. And then he says, after I've created humanity in the likeness of God, including male and female, he says in verse 26, let them have dominion over the earth. Somebody shout, let them. This is so very important because notice he didn't say let us, including himself, have dominion over the earth. He said, no, no, no. Let them, not including himself, have dominion over the earth. The word dominion means the right to command, the right to control, the right to determine. Let them have dominion over the earth, complete authority and complete responsibility. Now, this is so, so very critical because he goes on in that passage of scripture and, and he says, uh, well, let's put it back on the screen there, if you don't mind, verse 26 back on the screen there. He says, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Listen to me. Look at me. He did not say man shall have dominion over another man. He did not say a man, a male shall have dominion over the female. He said they shall have dominion over the earth and over everything in the earth, not including each other. I'm preaching better than you saying amen in here. And so he says, let them have dominion. And then the next verse, he says, and he blessed them or he transferred power. That's what the word blessed means in this passage. He transferred power or authority to humanity. And so the earth is under the complete responsibility of humanity. The earth is under the complete jurisdiction and authority of humanity. God has given the earth to humanity. So the question is, God is in control. Well, is he really? Now, if you are a saint and a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can give him control. But the blanket statement, God is in control and all of this is the will of God, I would have to ask you, which will are you talking about? And so we find here that humanity has the responsibility of what's going on in the earth. The legal authority to dominate the earth was given to humanity. And there is an ownership responsibility in our stewardship of this earth. There is an ownership responsibility in our stewardship of this earth. Now, we understand in, the, in Genesis, we understand that Adam and Eve, they failed. They missed the mark. They sinned. And they transferred that delegated power over unto Satan. And then Satan became the God of this world. But thank God for Jesus. God, he came inside of Jesus. Glory to God. He is Jesus. Hallelujah the incarnate one, and he came into these earth, stripped the keys from death, hell, and the grave, dominated the enemy, and then in Matthew 28 said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and where else? On the earth. And then he tells the saints, 
Go and make disciples. So the authority of the earth still rests in the saints of God. Matter of fact, I'm going to make a bold statement here. But the church, the saints, you and I, are the only entity with the unique ability to address the root issue. Let me say it again. The church, you and I, the saints of God, are the only entity with the unique ability to address root issues. And so we find here that action taken by God in the earth requires the involvement of humanity. I know you want to believe that God can just do anything and that he's going to do it without the use of humanity. That is unscriptural. To rescue humanity in the flood, God needed Noah. For the creation of a nation, God needed Abraham. To deliver the nation of Israel from slavery, God needed Moses. To lead Israel to the promised land, God needed Joshua. For the preservation of the Hebrews, God needed Esther. To bring Israel back from captivity, God needed Daniel. For the salvation of mankind, God needed to become a man. Listen to me now. You think that you're weak and ineffective and useless and you don't have any type of ability or power to make any impact in this earth. God is saying, I needed my spirit on the inside of you so that you can make earth like heaven. You got to hear me out. God always designed for heaven to be on earth. And he needed humanity that had the same spirit that he has to be in this earth to change and rearrange things. And for the direction of this generation, guess what? God needs you. Say, God needs me. Needs now, this is important. People don't like this, this term, God needs. People don't like it at all. One time I, um, we had a guest speaker come. He preached a great message about God needing humanity, too. And this, this a guest that I'd never seen, it was a guest of the church. They came, they gotten, emailed me or something, got a hold of me, and just really said, you know, God don't need us. This is very interesting. God don't need you. Uh, if, if you are disobedient, yeah, the truth is he'll get somebody else. Did you hear me? But in the earth realm... He needs a human. He, he needs someone to say, here I am, Lord. Send me. He, he needs someone to, to say, uh, I'll be the one that will pray. And I'll be your go-to guy. And if you need me to do anything in this earth, I am available to you. This is the misunderstanding that religion has taught us, that God's going to do it all. And God's saying, I'm going to do it through you. I'm going to do it through you. I'm going to do it through your voice of victory. I'm going to do it through your lifestyle. I'm going to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit I put inside of you. And I'm going to do it through your prayers. The believer in Christ Jesus has a voice in the earth. We have a voice of victory that cannot be silenced. 
We have a voice in this earth. I like what John Wesley said. He said, it seems God is limited by our prayer life, that he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. This is a powerful statement right here. It seems God is limited by our prayer life, that he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. I was listening to a a man of God. Uh, He has a church actually in Arkansas, and this was years ago. Uh, Very impactful church in Arkansas. His name is Happy Caldwell. And uh, he makes a statement that when he started the church, and he was like, thank you, Lord, for just putting your hand of protection on it. And thank you, Lord, that, that, the, that you have grown this church and the church is impactful in our city. And he said, the Lord said, uh, thank you for saying yes. He's like, oh, yes, Lord, always. I would say yes. He said, you're the seventh one I asked. You're the seventh one. So, he, so immediately he felt like, oh, I wasn't God's first choice. <laughs> so that, that should humble you there for a second. But at the same time, it should make you realize God was looking for someone. He was looking to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for someone that he can find loyal and faithful to perform his word. He needed a man. He needed a woman on the earth that will obey him and get things done on this earth for him. I want to read it again. It seems God is limited by our prayer life that he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. What does that simply mean? Earth has been given over to humanity. The reason the earth is in the shape it's in is because, not because God put it in the shape, not because he wants it to be in the shape that it's in, but because humanity has put it in the shape that it's in. There was one uh, particular time I'll tell you all this story, but I was praying over a Daniel Cormier. He was a UFC fighter, a light heavyweight champion, heavyweight champion. I would go to his fights and, and I would pray over him before he goes into the octagon. And his re- photographer would always get, catch the picture of me praying over him. Some of you probably have seen the pictures, but me praying over him before he goes into the octagon. And, and then, you know, Daniel has millions of, you know, Instagram followers, or whatever. Well, on there, people were, people were writing stuff on there. Why are they praying? I mean, if if there was a God, then kids wouldn't be dying of starvation. And and people were writing, you're right, you're right. I mean, if there was a God, then these kids wouldn't be dying and sick and ill. And, and they're all like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You know why? Because religion has said God is in control. And so that, I mean, I would think the same way if if religion tells me God's in control. Well, yeah, man, God wants all these kids to die. Did you know that there's so much food on the earth that no one should ever die? There is so much food on this earth right now that can fill us to overflow and obesity. Everybody on the earth can be obese. That's the amount of food that's on the earth right now. Why are people dying of starvation? Because some knucklehead is controlling the food. And they're controlling where the food has been distributed to. They're controlling who can, who can grow it, who can't grow it. It's a human. It's not God. It's not God controlling it. It's a human controlling it. And so, if spirit-filled people can get in these positions, 
will see the blessing take place on the earth. But here's the key. Not only do we need spirit-filled people in, in right positions, we need people like you and I to pray. Prayer is inviting God into our own jurisdiction, our authority, and our complete responsibility. When we pray, we are literally saying, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray, we are literally saying, God, I need you to intervene. I can't do this on my own. We need your superpower and your strength and your ability and your majesty and your goodness to come down in this realm and sphere of influence that I am in and to change and rearrange things. This is what prayer is all about. See, people are not praying because Here's why people don't pray. One reason why they don't pray, because they believe that everything is happening is according to the will of God. So they're not going to pray and invite him in because it's all God's plan. That's what they think. Or they don't believe God exists. So why pray? We don't believe God exists and we don't believe he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So I'm not going to pray. Or they just simply believe that it's a waste of time. And the enemy has done, I shall say, a good job of telling us praying is a waste of time. I have been praying in the spirit for over 25, well, how old am I? I've been praying in the spirit for, 25 sounded good, but I had to, the Lord said, make sure you tell the right number. I've been praying in the spirit for about 24 years. Yep, it was always close. 24 years. And every time I pray in tongues and pray in the spirit, I hear the demon, you wasting your time. Nothing's happening. You're just rambling and mambling and rumbling along and you're wasting your time and energy. And this is why we have to get over in faith and say, no, God is looking for a man like me who is praying and believing and asking him to come in and intervene. And he said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face and turn from the wicked ways, I shall heal the land. Oh, I thought I'd get a better amen than that, but I know online they're saying amen. Glory be to God. I shall heal the land. It seems God is limited by our prayer life, that he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. You might have heard me use this example before, but we rent this facility that we're in, and the Lord is leading us to a place where we're going to purchase our own very, very soon. It's coming very, very soon. But we rent here, and I have got a good relationship with the landlord. And uh, he and I talk occasionally. We go to lunch occasionally. But we got a great relationship. Uh, he owns the building. We rent it from him. But did you know that he can't come into this building without my permission? He owns the building. But he can't just open the door and just come on in whenever he wants to. If he wants to see the building, he has to contact me. And he has to say, Hey, Pastor Devon, can I come check out the building? When will you be there? Well, I don't know if I'm going to be there today. I might be there, you know, whatever the case may be. Be there when I get there. All right, come. I want to come. I just want to make sure everything's going well. Now, he hasn't done that in a long time, but that is the process by which the owner can come in here. He's got to be invited. Yes, the earth is the Lord in the fullness thereof, but he's given it. Completely transfer the earth, earth over to humanity. Now look at 1 John 
chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. Before I read that, I want to read John Wesley's quote one more time. It seems God is limited by our prayer life, that he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. Now let's look at the words of the apostle John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. In verse 14, he says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, guess what? He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Glory be to God. Now watch this. This is the confidence. This is the boldness that we have in him. We have boldness that, that if we ask anything according to his will. Now, here's the, here's the interesting one. People's like, well, you know, we don't, you just don't know what the will of God is. And, you know, I, how do you know? You may not get it because that may not be the will of God. No, 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 no. This will of God is the perfect will of God, which is found in the word of God, which is found in the scriptures. And it literally, John's telling us, if you ask anything according to his perfect will or according to his word, his scriptures, watch this, he will hear us. Oh, this is so good. I want to pause there for a second that God will hear you. I know you feel insignificant. I know you feel irrelevant. I know you feel inferior, but God will hear you. Woo, there's something about that that just blesses me that when I pray, I'm not wasting time. I know that demon said you're wasting time when you're praying. You could be over there doing the dishes. You could be over there cleaning up something. You're wasting all this time praying. You could be over there and get you a, go get you another job. Get you a second job and make some more money. Stop all this time. If you got time to pray, you got time to get a second job. That's what the enemy be telling me. But he's a liar and the truth is not in him. God hears me. Woo, glory to God. He hears me. And look at verse 15. And if we know that he hears us, not, not that we think or not that he may or may not. Somebody shout, we know. We know, we know that he hears us. Somebody say it again. We know. We know. we know that he hears us. Whatever we ask. That's according to his will. And his will is his perfect will, which is found in the scriptures, the word of God. Watch this. We know that we have the petitions or the requests that we have asked of him. Hallelujah. Somebody shout, we know, we know. that we have. Yeah. Look, we have the requests. We have the petitions. So when we're praying, Lord, I'm praying over what's going on in Afghanistan. We spent some time Thursday night. We're praying for the, the believers that have decided to stay, that miracle signs and wonders. That is according to the will of God. So we know that God has heard our prayer and answered our prayer and supernatural intervention has happened in Afghanistan. This Thursday, we prayed over Hurricane Ida in Louisiana and the surrounding areas up into New York. And we asked God to intervene. And the move, and God's sitting up like, I'm just waiting for somebody to ask me to come on in here because I need a human to ask me to come on in. And we asked him to come on in, and I believe he gladly said, I'm coming in to intervene, to answer your prayer, because you know that you, you have been heard by me, and I'm going to give you the petitions of what has been asked. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! This is the confidence that we have in him. Prayer is, and, and prayer can also be a, a request. Prayer is man giving God the legal right and permission 
to interfere in the earth. It's a bold statement here. Prayer is man giving God the legal right and permission to interfere in the earth. I like what Elijah said in the old covenant. He said, I'm the only prophet that still serves you, Lord. I'm the only one. The Lord laughed at him. He said, man, I got 800 others, man. What you talking about? You're the only one. No, God always has some go-to people. How many want to be one of God's go-to folks? He says, listen, if, if I can't get Todd to do it, I'm going to ask Bill. If I can't get Bill, I'm going to ask Jeff. If I can't get Jeff, I know Nate's going to do it. I know Nate's going to do it. He's one of my go-to guys. And if I can't get Nate to do it because he's too sleepy, I'm going to get Susie to do it. I mean, I know that these are my go-to folks. I want to be one of God's go-to guys where he says, pray. And, and, and here's what you, if God already knows what you need before you ask him, shouldn't we ask him what we need? Mm, did y'all get that? If he already knows what we need before we ask, shouldn't we ask him what we need? When we had corporate prayer on Thursday, I asked the Lord, Lord, there's so much to pray about, but what <laughs> I prayed about what we should pray about. Because I want to get God's heart on the issue and on the thing. Because God wants to intervene and God, he's still the most powerful being ever to live on the earth. He has bound himself with his word by saying, I've given the earth to, the, to humanity. He bound himself with that. But he's still the most powerful being. And when we invite him in, he's saying, I will move and I will reign and I will have my way in the earth. You know, it says that he is enthroned in the praises of his people. That means he literally, he literally places his kingdom on top of the praise of the people. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. James 5.16. James 5.16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, I like this, that you may be healed. Listen, here's a way to be healed. Pray for one another. Praying for one another is a, is a recipe for healing. You're sick in your body, pray for someone else. You broke and got no money and I need to pay a bill, pray for someone else. And watch Healing, watch manifestation take place in your life. Matter of fact, a good friend of mine in the early days, uh, before I was pastoring, uh, he, would, he and I would do this all the time. He would say, man, I got all these things going on in my life. Will you pray for me? And I said, man, I got these things going on. Will you pray for me? And we would take like 15 days. I mean, just some arbitrary number. What, nothing holy about the number. Just let's take the next 15 days and let's, I only pray for you. That's it. I don't pray for myself and I'm trusting that you're praying over me, and God's going to move in those these next 15 days. My goodness, God would move in those days. There was a time I was believing God for a specific job, and we did this whole pray for me, pray for you thing. I got the job in, that, in those 15 days. I mean, God, God, God says that if you pray for one another, uh, I'm going to heal you. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to literally, there will be answered prayer. And I like this. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. You're not righteous because you do everything right. You're righteous because Jesus made you righteous. 
and you're righteous in him. And it's not, well, I did something wrong, so I'm not righteous today. No, no, you're always righteous. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And when you pray, it avails much. The passage translation says, tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. Tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. And I want to talk about this word passionate real quick. You get passionate about what you're praying about. It's real difficult to pray about something that you're not passionate about. Uh, it, it's it, Here's the thing that I get as a pastor, and I understand it comes with the, the job, but uh, I'll, I'll get text calls from folks that I went to high school with, you know, folks I went to middle school with. Oh, pastor, they got my phone number. Stacy wants me to change my number, by the way. But uh, And they'll text and then uh, pray, um, Will you pray? And they'll bring up some. Pray for, you know, Leroy. Okay, I don't even know who Leroy is. Okay, pray for Leroy. I mean, Leroy, you know, his he got his big toe got ran over by, by the truck. And I'm sitting like, okay, I don't know Leroy. And I don't know what happened to his big toe. And I would sit there and I thought, I've, if I'm really going to pray, I've got to get some passion behind this. So how do I do it? I start thinking about what if I, my big toe got ran over? And I'm like, man, how would I want someone to pray if my big tour got ran over by? No. And I begin to say, okay, okay, let me pray. And I'll start off in English, and I have to get over in the tongues. And as I'm praying, I start getting more passion behind it. Yeah. Are you listening to what I'm saying today? This is so powerful because if there's no passion, there's, it's not going to be effective. It's, it's real difficult to say, pray, just, you know, pray for some arbitrary. I'll pray. You're just saying some loose, idle words. Until you get some passion behind it, they're not, it's not going to be effective. Come on, somebody shout, passion behind my prayer. Passion. The Amplified Bible says the heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much when put into action and made effective by God. It is dynamic and can have tremendous power. This is what prayer is all about. I want to let you know that you are not useless and inferior. You can pray. And don't let anyone tell you that you have to do more than just pray. Well, you need to be doing more than just pray. Now, if God tells you to do more than pray, pray. But we say that in a way as if prayer is not doing anything. Listen, uh, you know how to pray. Willie Lump Lump them, they don't know how to pray. Their prayers may be falling to the ground. But you know how to pray. And when you pray, it is effective. And it's passionate, it's heartfelt. And it's producing tremendous power. So someone say, you know, well, what's going on down there? And, um, you know, did you hear what's going on down there? And, uh, you know, boop, up, boop, up. Oh, no, I didn't. You need to get in the car. You need to drive down there and help them. No, I, I just need to pray. No, you just need to go down there. And I, you don't tell me what I need to do. If I pray, tremendous power will be available and God would then begin to move certain people in that area to do some things because I'm praying for God to move in people's hearts and in their lives. They'll do their part. But sometimes your part is just to pray. Yeah. Oh, I'm preaching better than you shouting this morning, but it's so true. Sometimes your part is simply just to pray. Now, God will tell you what you need to do more than that if, if necessary, but don't 
belittle, don't undervalue, don't undermine the power of prayer, the power of inviting God into this situation, and then seeing the manifestation of God moving in your life. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead.